Good morning. And welcome to worship today. Welcome to Christ the King Sunday, the, the last Sunday in our liturgical year. So uh, next Sunday is the equivalent of our New Year's Day in the liturgical calendar, and today is New Year's Eve, I guess. So uh, uh, end of year B, about to begin year C in our readings. Uh, please uh, take some time to read over the announcements written, printed in our bulletin. Um, first of all, I want to encourage everyone who's here, if you are able, to stick around after church today. Um, we'll gather downstairs uh, for a presentation on the Trinity Foundation, uh, where we'll, we'll uh, uh, hear some of the history and review uh, some of the bylaws. This will be a review for, for many of you, but I, I think uh, it's always good just to remind ourselves of, of the foundation, because uh, every member of our congregation is uh, by default, a member of the foundation. So you are the Trinity Foundation. So it's good for us to be informed about our stewardship. Yeah. Okay, coffee and treats will, will also be down, downstairs too. Great. So thank you, Kaya. Great. Um, next uh, Tuesday, we're going to be having a, a Thanksgiving Eve service, and I thought we'd uh, try that online again. Uh, so if uh, you want to join us on Facebook or YouTube, I'll share a service of prayer and song um, on Thanksgiving Eve as we give thanks for the many blessings that we share. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes, it's on Wednesday. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. All right. Oh. <laughs> Appreciate that. Wednesday, not Tuesday. So if you show up on Tuesday on our Facebook page, you will not find anything related to that. But if you're there on Wednesday, I will be there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll try to remember to show up on Wednesday, too. That's <laughs> um, our quilters are looking for some donations, so uh, please review that uh, request as well. Um, are there any other announcements that we should make today? Not uh, seeing any. I did want to uh, say... Um, I hope that we're always kind of praying our way through the news each day, through each week. There's always something to pray for. Um, our presiding bishop, Elizabeth Eaton, did send out a pastoral mes message on the Rittenhouse um, acquittal, uh, which being in Wisconsin is, is big news right now. So I just wanted to read to you her, her pastoral message for us today since she sent it to the church. Uh, she writes, Dear Church, in the book of Leviticus we read, You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice you shall judge your neighbor. Our social message on community violence urges us to become more involved in countering the reality and fear of violence in our communities and our neighbors' communities. Pursuing justice and seeking peace no matter how long the journey or complex the challenge. When a child is allowed to become a vigilante without recourse, we are forced to confront the idols of our society, guns, violence, and white supremacy. To be sure, this is not about one person, but indeed is about all of us together. Today is an injustice. It points to the disorder in which we all live. As we seek to restore justice, so also will we restore God to God's rightful place at the center of our life together. In Christ, the Reverend Elizabeth A. Eaton. Uh, we'll begin our service with our uh, prelude music to center ourselves for worship.
Mississippi stint. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Have mercy on us, O God. We confess that we have sinned against you and against our neighbor. We have built walls instead of tables and have turned away the stranger. We have sought glory for ourselves and have treasured that which does not satisfy. Help us to love as you love, to welcome those you send, and to treasure mercy and justice. Turn us from our ways to your ways and free us to serve those in need. God, who makes all things new, forgives your sins for Jesus' sake and remembers them no more. Lift up your heads and your hearts. Yours is the kingdom of God. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, you anointed your beloved Son to be priest and sovereign forever. Grant that all the people of the earth, now divided by the power of sin, may be united by the glorious and gentle rule of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. The first reading is from Daniel, chapter 7. As I watched, thrones were set in place, and an ancient one took his throne. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and flowed out from his presence. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood attending him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. As I watched in the night visions, I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven, And he came to the Ancient One and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. And his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Ever since the world began, your throne been established ever since the world began your throne has been established the Lord is king robed in majesty the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The Lord has made the world so sure that it cannot be moved. Ever since the world began, your throne has been established. You are from everlasting. Since the world began, your throne has been established. The waters have lifted up, O Lord, the waters have lifted up their voice. The waters have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the sound of many waters, 
mightier than the breakers of the sea. Mightier is the Lord who dwells on high. <clears throat> Your testimonies are very sure, and holiness befits your house, O Lord, forever and forevermore. Ever since the world began, your throne has been established. The second reading is from Revelation chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, and freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Holy Gospel according to John, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you, friends, from the one who is and who was and who is to come. Amen. So 
So Kristen and I have this friend named Paul. Paul is a professional photographer and videographer. For several years, he was the photographer for Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Uh, so part of his job, uh, if you know anything about Georgetown, uh, was to uh, photograph the school's mascot, and the George, Georgetown team is the Bulldogs. Uh, so one of Paul's co-workers in his same office complex, complex was Jack the Bulldog, a real dog who apparently has a very cushy life on campus. None of that is important to the story, but I just think it's fun. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of Paul's pet peeves as a professional photographer uh, is a dirty lens on a camera. Photos just look better when there's not a layer of dust and grime on the lens. And he sees, uh, sees this in a lot of photos that people take, especially on their phones. A lot of our smartphones have these amazing cameras built into them, but then we carry around them around in our pocket or in our purse, and they get dust and lint and food scraps and whatever else we have in our pocket on them. So Paul has a special mission in his life, uh, to clean people's camera phone lenses. Uh, you've probably had this happen to you when you're out and about, maybe you're by a, a, a scenic overlook or you're at an event and people come up to you and say, would you mind taking a picture of our group? And this happens to Paul too, but he adds a little extra to the encounter. He tries to create just enough small talk that he can pull out his glass cleaning cloth from his pocket and clean their lens before he takes their picture. And so he, he t cleans their lens, takes their picture, and gives them back uh, a phone, uh, their phone, sometimes without them even noticing that he cleaned their lens. That's kind of how I think about our text today for Christ the King or Reign of Christ Sunday. I think our texts are kind of like Paul cleaning a camera lens, making the vision clearer. The texts clear our vision for what true kingship looks like. Over time, we've built up all this dust and grime from the world, but Christ the King clears our vision for how God chooses to be at work in the world, for how God chooses to exercise power in the world. Just think of how blurred and warped our vision of power and success and justice can be. It's easy to feel hopeless when you look at the news or when you go through, your, uh, go through your life, when we see the way power has been abused, how the powerful seem to get away with things that others can't get away with. And there are so many recent uh, examples. And I can't help but think about how there seems to be this two systems of justice in our country. That in our cultural imagination, a young, unarmed black teenager like Trayvon Martin can, will be given less grace than a white teenager with a loaded gun. Likewise, I think of companies and pastors and politicians and members of our families who have betrayed trust or abused power. It's easy to feel jaded. In a lot of ways, I think this is why we get so these apocalyptic texts today. We get our gospel reading from John, but then we get a reading from Daniel and from Revelation. And sometimes it's hard to know what to do with these apocalyptic texts. These images are so beyond uh, our understanding or our cultural uh, experience. But I think the purpose of apocalyptic storytelling in the Bible is to clear our vision. The purpose of Revelation, for example, uh, is not so much to predict the future as it was to empower an ancient community to go on in hope doing the Lord's work. The commentator Barbara Rossing says, the purpose of Revelation's apocalyptic story is to empower an alternative community as followers of the Lamb Jesus and to strengthen people's witness to God's reign of love and hope in the face of evil. And so when we read from Daniel about this ancient one and of a human being coming on the clouds of heaven, presented before the ancient one, and then this human being being given dominion, we have to try and put ourselves in the time of Daniel. 
Daniel is writing about 200 years before Jesus, and like so much of Israel's history, it's been one uh, empire after another taking over and taking away their power. And so Daniel's community was one that felt very hopeless. And when you feel so hopeless, like you have no power to change your situation, uh, you start to look for something beyond your experience, something that seems so far-fetched that it's, you don't even dare to hope it. And so we're given this vision of one coming on the clouds of heaven, someone from out of the frame, someone from out of our imagination, someone coming from the realm of heaven to save them. These apocalyptic texts are from a hopeless people grasping for hope in their God. And so when they had experienced empire after empire after empire, after they had experienced uh, hopeless situation after hopeless situation after hopeless situation, what they clung on to was an ancient one on the throne, an ancient one who outlasted all of those changes, a king who had dominion over all of it. And the early Christians, including the author of Revelation, uh, saw this text from Daniel and said, that human being that comes into the presence of the Ancient One, we think that's who Jesus is for us. Of course, Daniel might not have imagined that, but those early Christians, when they heard about this human being coming on the clouds of heaven and the Ancient One giving him dominion and glory and kingship, they thought, that is Jesus. That is our hope. And so many of our Gospels would pick up on the language of Daniel, of Jesus as the Son of Man, as the human being coming to be the king over all of history. Likewise, in our reading from Revelation, we have to try and put ourselves back into another hopeless situation this time in the early church, after the life of Jesus, after Jesus has risen from the dead and ascended, in this case, it's in the Roman Empire. Those early Christians were suspect in the Roman Empire because they followed a king who wasn't Caesar. You know, it's interesting when you look at uh, the history of the church, how often the followers of Jesus, those who dare to proclaim Christ as king, find themselves in trouble. And so the author of Revelation is trying to give hope to a hopeless people, and he uses drastic imagery to clear their vision, to brush off the dust and the grime so they might see history and the king of history clearly. And so in that hopeless situation, the author of Revelation talks of one who is who was and who is to come. Just like the ancient one who outlasted all of those empires, we hear of a king who is, who was, who is to come. A king who is Alpha and Omega, A to Z, speaking of God's all-encompassing presence, of God's everlasting power to save. And so I, these texts are foreign to us in so many ways, but I want us to hear them as an exercise in clearing our vision. When we feel hopeless, when we look at the problems of our world, when we hear of another case, when we hear of another hashtag, when we feel powerless to change the systems we are stuck in, we need some apocalyptic imagination to remember that there is a God who reigns over it all that God has promised us a kingdom of love and peace that will one day come. Because our vision is blurred by earthly power. When we think of kings, we think of someone who is powerful, we think of someone who is rich, we think of someone who is served by others. And that is the irony of Christ the King Sunday. We talk about a king who came not to be served, but to serve. A king who's not on a throne, but a king who dies on a cross. A king who doesn't wear a crown of gold, but a crown of thorns. And so Pilate, in our gospel reading, has the king of kings in front of him, and he doesn't recognize him. He has truth himself in front of him, and he says, what is truth? 
Pilate's vision is blurred, just like our vision. And these texts, Christ the King Sunday, is here to set us right, to clear our vision for the way that God chooses to be powerful in the world. And it's not always the way that we assume power to function. Because we follow Christ the King and no other. During the regime of Ferdinand Marcos, just as an example, as a story, uh, Father Edmund Delatorio served as a priest in the Philippines. You might remember that Marcos was the longtime dictator of the Philippines, just one of many earthly tyrants that we experience in history. Marcos ruled as a kleptocrat, enriching himself and his friends over the years and giving out favors to those who were loyal and punishing those who dared to criticize him. That's how we're used to, uh, used to power functioning in our world, right? Amnesty International documented many human rights abuses during his rule, including arrests and disappearances of political opponents. It was during this time that Father Edmund Delatorio, a Catholic priest, began to advocate for the oppressed and the poor and poor in Philippines. Before long, this priest was arrested and imprisoned for his brutal regime, just one of many Christians who's had a collision with authorities over the years. While in prison, he asked the guard for some bread and some wine so that he might at least celebrate Holy Communion during his imprisonment. It started small, but soon his cellmate joined in the celebration. Soon after that, the whole cell block wanted communion and was participating in the liturgy. And when the news reached the warden of the prison, he immediately issue, issued an order. No more bread and wine to Father Delatorio, because bread and wine in the hands of this priest become a revolutionary weapon. At its core, there is something subversive about faith and Jesus. Thugs and tyrants, bullies and wealth hoarders get nervous when people start to claim that Jesus, the crucified Messiah, is king. In the case of Father Delatorio and the Eucharist and for the many saints who have gone before us, we've seen the reign of the king enacted in word, in meal, in Christian community. An alternative community in love empowered by a vision of God's lordship in the world. The ancient one, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. At the communion table, we take a risk because we are trained in the kingdom of God where the last are first and the first are last, where the king comes not to be served but to serve and to give away his life for others. At the communion table, we are trained in the economy of God where the beggar off the street and the one arriving in the Mercedes-Benz are treated as equals. They will both be fed exactly the same. You can start to see how the meal and our other practices in Christian community start to look like revolutionary weapons. Because when Christ is king, no one else can be. And so today, we encounter these strange texts, but let them clear our eyes for the world as it is. And let that clear vision give us hope for the ancient one who ultimately is in control of the universe, who is bending the moral arc of the universe towards justice. Christ is king, not the king we are used to, but the king that our world so desperately needs. Amen.
God, you sent your son Jesus to testify to the truth. We pray for preachers, missionaries, evangelists, and teachers who carry your forgiveness and love to the world. Fill their words and actions with compassion and kindness so yet your truth will shine. God, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God, you sent your son Jesus to liberate all of creation. We pray for all living things longing for the freedom to flourish, from ancient trees and wild grasses to endangered animals and rare insects. Give human beings compassionate hearts to care for them. God, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God, you sent your son Jesus to lead us into the way of peace. Direct the members of international alliances in choosing a nonviolent path toward the future. Give them the humility and wisdom to make just decisions to benefit all. God, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God, you sent your son Jesus to make us into your own people, set free to serve you. We pray for people who serve the well-being of others especially for Lutheran Social Services and Healing House. Renew them in their work. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, you sent your Son Jesus to rule in all times and places. We pray for the friends of our congregation who are unable to join our worship in person and for all who are sick and suffering, especially Denia, Galen, John, Lynn, Kristen, Bob, Sabrina, and Graham, and all those we name now, aloud or in our hearts. Join their prayers with ours and unite them with us in the body of Christ. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, you sent your Son, Jesus, to be our beginning and our ending. We give thanks for those who li whose lives have given us a glimpse of Jesus' reign of justice and peace. Empower us to join their witness. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, our hope and strength, we entrust to you all for whom we pray. Remain with us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. Please take some time to turn around and wave or share a sign of peace.
Please stand as you are able. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. 
It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. By the witness of your saints, you show us the hope of our calling and strengthen us to run the race set before us, that we may delight in your mercy and rejoice with them in glory. And so with all the saints, with the choirs of angels and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, mighty, and merciful Lord, heaven and earth are full of your glory. In great love you sent us Jesus, your Son, who reached out to heal the sick and suffering, who preached good news to the poor, and who on the cross opened his arms to all. The night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. It's my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his death, resurrection, and ascension, we await his coming in glory. Pour out upon us the spirit of your love, O Lord, and unite the wills of all who share this heavenly food the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Gathered to one by the Holy Spirit, we pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Please be seated as we share some instructions for communion. Communion today, you'll go to the side aisles. And you'll come forward where at the front there are these two side tables where you'll pick up an empty glass. You'll bring that, that little cup with you to the railing where you'll receive bread and your, your cup will be filled with wine. When you have communed at the railing, you'll then return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in this bowl here at the center. Uh, <clears throat> if you need or desire uh, gluten-free or grape juice, those are also at these two side tables. Uh, everyone who's with us this morning uh, is welcome to commune with Trinity. Uh, we believe that this is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table, and the invitation comes from Christ. Receive this invitation to communion. Taste and see that the Lord is good.
Please stand as you are able. Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in God's grace. Blessed Jesus, at this table you have been for both of us host and meal. Now send us forth to extend our tables and to share your gifts until that day when all feast together at your heavenly banquet. Amen. God, the beginning and the end, who has written your name in the book of life, bless and keep you in grace and peace from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Led by the saints before us, go in peace to serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.